Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Hope in the Bible has a sense of surety. It's that which is in the future. It's that which is, is a bit hidden from us, but we hope in it with this assurance. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for, and then it is the evidence of things not seen, which is an interesting concept. The biblical hope is very different than the hope that this world talks about. When our hope and faith and trust is in the one true God, we have a blessed assurance that God is real. He is with us. And no matter what happens to us and around us in this always getting darker world, we wait with hope for Jesus to return and deliver us from this world to a life with Him. With Hebrews 11, 1 through 16, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. The title of our message tonight is Faith, A Leap Into the Light. Because there are those that like to say that Christianity is a leap into the dark. Popular atheists today like to make fun of us Christians for having faith in God. They'll say, having faith in God is like having faith in Santa Claus or having faith in the Easter Bunny or having faith in Mickey Mouse. Nothing could be further from the right comparison. When we have faith in a God that has given us evidence that we can know, um, we can know uh, with our mind mentally what God is and whom God is and know that there is, a, there is a significant amount of evidence that is out there, but understanding that faith is more than just what you may believe with your mind. We're going to see in a moment that faith starts in the heart. And so we want to make sure that we understand what faith is. So here's what I would like us to do. I want us to cover Ephesians 11.1, 1, which is a definition and a description of faith. Then I want to talk about five things that the Bible tells us about faith, just so we can kind of get that. I've called it five things every Christian should know about faith. And then I want to cover the rest of the passage with a good understanding for what faith is. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, Again, a definition and a description of what it does. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's the kind of verse that you can read knowing that you're learning something about faith and then hear it and go, I don't know that I know any more about faith than in the very beginning. But let's break it down. First of all, it's talking about, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, now there's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So we've got these three great things that are in the world. God has given us. He's given us faith. Without it, we can't enter into heaven. He's given us hope. Without it, we don't want to live for the future without any hope. To be, to be hopeless is one of the worst states a human can be in. So God has given us faith. God has given us hope. And God has given us love. And so here he gives us two of those in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is a substance. It's something you actually have in your life that you are relying about, um, on God. It's not just making a decision to believe, but it's a making a decision to trust. Almost everybody, when they start talking about faith, uses the analogy of a chair. Because it's a good analogy and we use it all the time and you guys are sitting in chairs right now. 
You, I don't know if you've sat in that, some of you guys have sat in the chair you're in before. But some of you guys just trusted that the people who built the chair built it to hold your weight. And you were right. And we live by faith all the time, trusting. I, I have a car that is almost 10 years old. In next May, it'll be 10 years old. When we bought it, we wanted to drive it for 10 years. I trusted that it would still be trustworthy in 10 years. Now, I could have bailed out at four or five years, and that wouldn't have had faith that it was going to last the 10 years. And now that I'm getting to the end of this car being done, you guys do that as well? It's like, maybe I'll just sneak in a new car now. I've had it for nine and a half years. But I'm trust, I trusted that they could. We, we have faith all the time. I talk about having faith when people bring us our meals in restaurants after you've made your server mad. And that, that might not be really good placed faith, right? We have faith every time we drive down the road that people are going to not be in our lane, that, that they aren't drunk or wasted. We have faith all the time. And that is trusting in God, putting our faith in Him. There is a substance that causes us to act a certain way. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is not, we use hope in, in our culture, we use hope much different than the Bible used hope. The Bible will talk about ho the hope of heaven. And we talk about, I, I hope I win the lottery. You're not going to win the lottery. But you are going to go to heaven. Hope in the Bible has a sense of surety. It's that which is in the future. It's that which is, is a bit hidden from us. But we hope in it with this assurance. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it is, then it is the evidence of things not seen. Which is an interesting concept. That when I put my faith in God and my life changes... And we'll talk about what those changes are in a moment when we put our trust in Him. My life changes. It becomes evidence to me of the things that I haven't seen. Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen, you, you've seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. And once we put our trust in God, it becomes evidence to us. And this is why as Christians, some people will say to us, well, you can't prove that there's a God. You don't know for sure there's a God. And sometimes your response is, I know for sure there's a God. Am I right? You go, I know. I know for sure. You know because of faith. Faith is the evidence of things that are unseen. Once we commit our lives and we are going through the experiences and we see God causing certain things to happen and grow in our lives, then faith becomes that evidence. So faith has substance and faith becomes evidence to us about the unseen world that we trust in him about. Now, the Bible makes some grand promises about God that when we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, that we are transformed when we, we give ourselves to him and believe in him, that we are born again and our spirits are renewed and there's a transformative power that happens within us. Let's cover five things about faith that we really ought to know. Number one, faith is the means by which we interact with God. Without it, we are not interacting with him. I think there's two words. I looked up the Greek word for faith today, which if I'm saying it correctly is pistos. And there's, there, was, there were two definitions that were really interesting to me. The first definition that was interesting was the word trust. 
Because faith is trust. It's trusting God. That's trust. The other definition that was interesting was fealty. Fealty was what a knight would swear to a king or a queen. They would kneel down before them and they would say, my sword is yours. They'd go through their speech, whatever their speech was. But they were, what they were saying is, I will defend this king or this queen with my life and I will, I, will, I will pour everything out before them. And so faith is us pouring everything out to God. So it's going to say, and we're going to see this in a moment, but it's going to say in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that's the existence of God, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I mean, you certainly can't believe that he's not and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe that God exists, but you also must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and then diligently seek him. It's not enough to just believe in him. N number two, believing is more than just knowing. The church that I was raised in was a Methodist church, the United Methodist Church, and whether or not they intentionally taught this, I don't know. But I can tell you what I took away from that church. I took away that if I believe in God, I will go to heaven. That's what I believed as a, as a young teenager. That's what I had learned. And I believed in God, meaning that I believed somewhere out there, there was a, there was a, a creator and I, in my mind with a beard looking over the world who had created everything, with a gray beard, by the way, who had created the whole world. And when I was asked, this is, how I, this is how I got saved. One of our youth pastors said to me, are you going to heaven? I came in one day early to MYF, which is the Methodist Youth Foundation. And I was asked if I was going to heaven. I said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. And they said, uh, how come? I said, because I believe in God. I'd been listening. And he said, well, the devil believes in God, doesn't he? And I said, yeah. And he said, is the devil going to heaven? And I said, no. He said, then it takes more than just believing, doesn't it? And he explained to me that I had to trust him. I had to rely upon him. He explained to me what salvation was, what being saved or born again was all about. And I prayed a prayer with him. He asked me if I wanted to give my life to Christ. 13 years old, almost 14. And I said, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. And I prayed and I was literally transformed. And so the Bible says in Romans 10, 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now that skips the process of the mind. Our mind, and again, there's a lot of evidence out there for the existence of God and we spend time pouring over that evidence and I spend time studying it and presenting the evidence for the existence of God but it's not your mind, it's your heart. Now in their day, in our day, the heart is emotion. I, I used to use country songs, but now it's any song. Any, any genre you want to talk about talks a lot about the heart. And to, to that, it's emotions. And so when we read that if we believe with the heart one believes unto righteousness, we can easily read it with, the, with emotions we believe unto righteousness. But that's not what it's saying. The heart to the Hebrew mindset, remember this is two Hebrews, was the whole body. 
your heart was the center of your entire being. So when you believe with your heart, you are believing with everything that you have. With the heart you believe unto righteousness. When you believe not just with your mind, but believe with your heart. James 2.19 says, you believe there is one God. You do well. It's good. You believe that there's one God. You do well. Not only that God exists, but that he's one. You do well. And then he adds this. This is James 2.19 again. Even the demons believe and tremble. There is a demonic faith that is just knowing that God exists. There are people that attend church regularly. And I would like to think that there's no one here at the church that I pastor who would just believe in the existence of God but hasn't trusted with their heart in God. But there are a lot of people that do that. And there probably are people that attend the church here who believe in the existence of God. If you talk to them, they believe he exists, but they have yet to surrender their life to him. And it is in the surrendering of your life to him that you are born again, that you find the righteousness that comes with that. The third thing the Bible teaches us about faith is that faith is a fruit that grows. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, in, in this section he's talking about we can live by our flesh and from our flesh we can reap corruption or we can live by the Spirit and from our spirit we can reap life. And if we live by the deeds of the flesh and we practice them, we will not go to heaven. If we live by the Spirit, this will be the evidence that the Spirit is in our lives. And he gives us nine fruits of the Spirit. Nine things that are evidences that you have committed your life to Christ. These are not things that have to be in place when you commit your life to Christ. And after you do, they're almost invisible, but like fruit that grows on a tree, revealing what kind of tree it is. Have you ever bought a house with a fruit tree on it? Not knowing what kind of a tree it was? This is an orange tree, maybe. It's a lemon tree. It's a, you know, it's citrus, some kind. It's a grapefruit tree you know for sure when the fruit starts to grow on it. That's how you know for sure. And so someone says, I'm a Christian, but the fruit is of the flesh. Then there's no evidence. I'm not saying that you aren't, okay? I'm not gonna judge you, but there's no evidence that you are. That's a scary place to be. The real Christian is gonna have fruit that is the evidence. And listen to what that fruit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When you really and genuinely make a commitment to Christ, then love is going to be one of the dominating factors of your life. The Bible even says when there's a disagreement between us, when someone's caught up in sin, you're supposed to go to them gently and restore them. It says in Galatians 6. And then the Bible says, and I think it's 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, that you who are spiritual, when you have a conflict with someone, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and gentleness that you might be able to win them back again. Everything in our lives is to be about love. Everything. There, there's, there's never a time that it's not. Love, the fruit of the Spirit, it says. This is, again, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is a fruit that is, is, is a response from a commitment to Christ. Do you lack joy in your life? Do you really have a relationship with Him? Because there will be joy. There will be peace. There will be long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness. Then this word, faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such there is no law now the word faithfulness is the same greek word that's in hebrews 11:1. 1. only 
It's in the continual. It's the, it's the basic word for faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This word faithfulness is the same word, but it's in the continual. When we commit our lives to Christ and trust Him in faith, then faith becomes this fruit in our life that grows. No wonder it becomes evidence to us. When you think about being a substance that you actually grab a hold of the hope that you have in God, and then it becomes evidence because it's growing as a fruit in your life. The fourth, and I'm going to reverse these for the people who are, for the, for the media team. The fourth is actually my fifth, but let me give you the fourth. I don't have to tell you that, I know, but I do anyway. My fourth is that faith comes by the Word of God. R real, genuine faith comes when you trust God. Okay, faith comes by hearing, uh, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Every time God gives you a word, a promise, it's like a check that He gives us. And you can trust God. What if we were talking after a service on a Saturday night when I hang out and um, you told me, I'm really struggling, got some, pray, pray for me. I'm really struggling financially. I need to get some things taken care of. And I came to you the next week and said, you know, we prayed about it and we want to help you out. And here's a check. It's going to meet your needs. I gave you a personal check. You see it and you get all excited. Pastor Robert's going to help, help me out financially. This is awesome. Until you get to the bank on Monday morning. You, you wouldn't think that my check is going to bounce because you would say, well, he's a pastor and I trust him. I'm trusting him to give me eternal advice. I should be able to trust him with a check, right? If you took the check from me and said, is this really good? Is this going to bounce? I would begin to wonder, Wonder what kind of character I'm revealing if you think I'm going to give you a bad check. So God gives us his word, which is like a written check that is far more faithful. You have God's promises. When you receive a check from me, it changes your mode. You're all depressed and upset, but you get a check from me and you're all happy. God's far more trustworthy than I am. I want to be a man of my word for sure. I haven't bounced a check in a long time. And, and Lord willing, I won't. But God's far more faithful than I am. Far more faithful. There are things that are out of my control. There are things that I can't help. Sometimes I might bounce a check out of something out of, completely out of my control. But God's far more faithful. And when God gives us his word, then we can believe what he says. We can trust what he says. We can apply what he says to our lives. Now let me give you the fifth thing about faith that we need to know. And that is, that your faith is going to be tested. That God will test your faith, which means that there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be hardships, that He's not telling you, just come to me and believe in me and trust in me and everything's going to be great, but it's going to be tested. And I've got two verses for that. The first one is James 1, 2 and 3. And we know this one well, which says, my brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Then this second part, that we, we generally think about that part. Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, which is hard to do. How are you? Man, life is really tough, but I'm just rejoicing in the trials I'm facing. That's hard to do. The second part says, though, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What is God testing you with those trials? Your faith. 
to see if you're going to continue to put your trust in God when you are facing difficulties and hardships. The last section that I want to read you is a longer section, and the point is made near the end of the section. So let me read this to you. It's 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. It's going to talk about testing of your faith at the end, but it talks about what we receive because of our faith in the beginning. He says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this greatly rejoice. That's just like James chapter 1 verse 2. In this greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. It's the same thing James says. There are these grievous trials, but your faith is being tested like gold that is put to a fire. In their day, if you were given gold that had not been through the smelting process of removing the impurities, you had no idea what the value of that gold was. You had no idea how much impurities were there. It was not valuable. But pure gold that had been put to the process of removing the impurities was valuable. And so he uses the analogy. God's putting you in the heat. God's melting away the impurities. And I like that. I like that God is, is doing something in me, that I'm becoming better because of the trials that God's putting me through. I like that. I wish it was done a different way, though. Wouldn't it be nice if that was done through great times? Like the Bible's just like, I'm going to give you great times and it's going to purify you. No, it's through the grievous difficulties that we find ourselves purified. It says that this faith is much more precious than gold than perishes. The faith that you receive, it's your inheritance that doesn't fade away in heaven, though it is tested by fire. And then it goes on to say that you may be found the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, let me just give you one more passage that I didn't think about when I was writing this, but remembered later. And that's that James tells us that faith without works is dead. Now, Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, not of any works, lest anyone should boast. So someone said to me not long ago, we've been saved by faith. Not really true. When you think about the way it says it there, we haven't been saved by faith. We've been saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. It is in putting our trust in God that the grace of God is revealed in us, not of any works. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse -verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. 
For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to dig deeper in your walk with God? Then you are a great fit for REACH College with enrollment opportunities. To attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.